0: Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will.
1: And I'm Tom Morrison, listening as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends.
0: Michelle Mason, welcome to our Association Strong Podcast. How are you? I'm
2: doing well, Dave. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, my you know, gosh. You know
1: Dave, what, Dave? When time? you asked me, what are we going to talk about next? And I said, you know, we need to talk about leadership in times of chaos because we've experienced that throughout the years. And and the one person that came to my mind is Miss Michelle Mason. I'm so excited she's here to be with us today.
0: Me too.
2: Thanks, it's good to see you, Tom, again. So to You've you.
0: Michelle a long time. Michelle, how long have you been working with associations?
2: My entire career, actually. So I'm not going to give you an exact (laughs) time frame, but I'll just say my entire career. I stopped that long time
0: ago. So you've been in academics. You worked for ASAE in the early 2000s for a little Mm -hmm. while. Right now, you're the CEO of Association Forum, otherwise previously known as Association Forum of Chicagoland. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And um, and and so you're based out of the Chicago area because that's like the Cae of Chicago. Um, is that a pretty good summary of of uh, association forum?
2: Yeah, it's a good summary. We're uh, you know Chicago is the second largest market for associations next to Washington D.C. However, we have a really strong concentration of healthcare medical associations. So yeah.
0: Excellent. So so tell us a little bit about about who you are before we jump into interrogating you about uh, leadership in the association space. uh, Buckle up. (laughs)
2: The pressure (laughs) on Dave. Okay, I'll I'll do my best. Um, Michelle Mason, President and CEO of Association Forum. I've been in this position for almost seven years now. Prior to Association Forum, I was with ASQ, which is the American Society for Quality, a large global association in Milwaukee, um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, prior to that, ASAE, where I was vice president of research, uh, strategic and future-focused research. So, if you if you follow that time frame, you'll understand I moved from the D.C. area to Milwaukee to Chicago.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So, so Michelle, you know, because we we told you this, but I'm going to summarize this for our listeners too, that Tom and I bring this brought this podcast together because we wanted to take this the, the entrepreneur in me and marry it to the association executive and Tom. And kind of create this um, discussion around looking at associations from a business perspective. Mm -hmm. And so that covers all of our passions. And that's why I think Tom immediately thought of bringing you into this to talk to a seasoned, lightly seasoned, you know, not overly seasoned, just perfectly seasoned. No dates. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no dates. Uh, is association executive. Like I'm really anxious to hear your perspective on this, but I'm I've done enough talking. I've got a couple questions that I, I want to dig into. But Tom, why don't you start us off?
1: Over the years, when we, we had something like a COVID, I was reading in through LinkedIn and also through Collaborate. And I saw a lot of frustration, a lot of anxiety, frankly, a lot of executives almost wilting in the, the moment when their members needed them. And I, I one felt bad for them, but I felt frustrated for their members because frankly, Michelle, that's what, I feel like that's what we were hired for. We got to be the general, the, the person at the top. And so, I mean, how did you feel at the moment when you got to that, the unexpected? Because we don't see too many unexpected that large in our tenure, but that was a huge one for us. And so what were you feeling in that moment when you like said, okay, this is something really big. What do we do?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, um, I think during that time, you know, they say don't waste a good crisis, right? right so I just right. really went into crisis mode in the sense that my personality, I operate well under pressure and I operate well through uncertainty and crisis. And so for me, most importantly, it was critical that I stabilize the business and Mm -hmm. that met my team and to make sure they had the tools and the resources to be able to handle the pivot, uh, recognizing that, you know, many, if not all, have not gone through a situation like this. You know, I, you know, I'm not trying to add a date to it, but yes, I remember the recession and the response when I was at ASQ on the leadership team and what the plans that we needed to put in place. And so I also thought about my, my membership and, Association Forum is a membership organization for associations. And mm-hmm. in many cases, our members look to us to go first. And so I knew this this was a leadership opportunity for the organization. And not only did we have to think about ourselves, we had to also think about how do we help our members through this process? Right. Because if you recall, we thought it was a few weeks. Yeah. We thought it was a month, but it's now what? 12 months later. Yeah. And so a lot of the planning really required us to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And we also had three pandemics at one time, right? So we had the health, Mm -hmm. we also had the social unrest, and we also had the economic um, issues. And so, you know, there's this whole, you know, this whole period of chaos that we really needed to navigate together. So yeah, it was, it's been a journey. (laughs) And I'm
1: sure you put your boxing gloves on and said, what's next? (laughs) <laughs>
2: what
1: are
0: some of the things? I mean, that you covered that at a pretty high level. What are some of the things? I don't know. What are some of the actions that you implemented, either internally sure. or externally, uh, to embrace what you call the pivot?
2: Yeah. So shortly after we realized we had to pivot, and I know that's not a popular word anymore, but shortly, I like it. I think it's a great <laughs> word. I really do. Yeah. Uh, realizing we had to pivot. It was my fiscal year is April 1st through March 31st. So we were in the thick of things in March planning for a new start of our year. And so we had what was a growth budget and was well positioned to uh, present that to the board. And things started shutting down. And so that then became quickly an aspirational budget. So we shifted into gear to produce an alternative budget, recognizing that we did not know what the future held. And so with that budget, we also said, we're going to forecast on a quarterly basis because we just don't know what the future is. And then that was in March of last year. And as we started to realize that this was a serious event, we realized that, you know, we needed to, to kind of plan more securely for our future. And that meant we needed to identify different scenarios. So the board went through an exercise of worst case best case and mid case scenario. And as we progressed through the months, we realized that the worst case scenario was unfolding and we needed a more concrete business plan. So we spent about eight weeks uh, working on a business plan because like most associations, you know, we're we're heavily reliant on in-person events, and that just went away overnight. We yep. have a very strong reliance on hospitality and tourism industries, and that revenue declined overnight. It's just like every day, and I didn't want to pick up the phone or check an email because it's the revenue just started, it felt like it was evaporating. And but we recognized that we had to use this opportunity to reposition us. And so We spent about eight weeks focused on a new business model and now we're starting to reposition the business to focus on four pillars that we know that we can produce products and services that are of relevance to our members that are focused on three areas. Community, because we have a very strong community and our members Mm -hmm. really enjoy being, how do we leverage that? Focus on content. We know the content is key and critical, particularly now. What are those hot topics? What are those issues? And how might we align community with content? And then consultation. This is a time where our members are being very reflective and they're focused on leadership development, professional development. So what are those products and services that we can build to support them? And so our four pillars are very simple. Welcoming environment, which is our approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And from a business perspective, we trademarked that term in 2015. And so since then, we've built out products and services to support our members on the welcoming environment. DEI journey. Mm -hmm. And so there's a variety of assets that we have in that pillar. The second being collaboratives. A few years ago, as I mentioned early on, we know that this is the number one market for healthcare and medical associations. But what we had historically not done was to convene these groups to have conversations and partner and collaborate with each other. So a few years ago, we convened what's called the healthcare collaborative, which has turned out to be an amazing non-dues revenue generator for us because we we were able to get sponsorship and registration and all sorts of revenue from that. But during this time, we recognized what are the other collaboratives that we can convene to bring our members, a group, a diverse set of people together around a topic to debate, to discuss, to peer to peer learn, interdisciplinary group. And so we're looking at how to build that out as a vertical. The third would be leadership development. As I shared with you, our members are really focused on bettering themselves, particularly during mm-hmm. this time. So we've been able to, we've had a we have a 40 and 40 program. We launched an emerging leaders program about three years ago. But during this time, we used it as an opportunity to bring new products to market. So we now have an executive leadership academy with that mid-careers. We launched an initiative called the Kitchen Cabinet, which is for CEOs, it's a six month cohort-based program. And these programs are selling out. And we're really excited about that, is that. Awesome. It is, it's really exciting. And the fourth would be we have a association forum was established in 1916. So we're celebrating 105 years. Not me personally, but the organization. No <laughs> days. <And, right>, no <laughs> days, right? And so we our foundation was established in 1987. And so we didn't really have a strong business case for it. We have a major e- fundraising event. We have a variety of things. But so we just couldn't figure out what we needed it to be. So we've used this time to revitalize our foundation to focus more on being an incubator of change for the industry. So we're gonna test and experiment and bring our different communities together, so that we can learn how to prepare for this uncertain future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we'll we'll use that as our as our little engine that uh, can, you know, inspire innovation for the rest of the the community. And you know, be able to respond to our members to say, you know, here's what you should do, or here's what we're thinking you should do, and respond to that. You go first, um, question.
0: Tom, have you like w- when I listened to Michelle? It's so clear she's the CEO of a large organization. Right. Like it's so clear yeah. to me cuz Michelle, you, you if you were to ask me that question or um, I'm going to say you too, Tom. If you to asked one of us that question, we would just yammer on. Like we'd yammer and yammer and yammer about all the cool things we did. Like you're super uh, uh, clear and crystal clear. But but it's also like these high-level initiatives and I asked for like the actions. But yeah, you yeah, answered it's, it's awesome. it's like it's it's just so cool to hear the way you, you summarize that, so I guess you know your business, huh
1: so I want to I ask a quick yeah. question mm-hmm. her getting back into what you said specific examples So hey, whose
0: podcast is this anyway? I have more questions too.
1: I <laughs> called you and asked if you wanted a podcast, so it's <laughs> mine. <laughs> yeah. all right go ahead so, you got a question so um so, funny quick one from the last podcast Dave was given an example he says, i got the story to tell about how we do engagement." he says what's the first thing you what's the first thing a doctor you say to a doctor when he walks in the room hey, no, the, no, the no. What,
0: what is the first thing that doctor says to you when you walk in the room and my and response, like, was, you know what his
1: response was you look
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> no, a doctor doesn't say that. To my doctor doesn't say that to me. My doctor says... Hey,
2: now you may want your doctor to say that. Right, right. <laughs> my doctor well, says, how
1: are you feeling? What's wrong? So, so my question down a little bit of tactical, because many of the leaders have to rally their troops. And that, that was a big thing last year for any industry, whether a member or an SAE in the association, was so many people were saying lost hope. They didn't know if they're going to have their jobs so, how did you specifically rally your team around these moments the last year to get them to say, good I'm question, in? Tom. That was a good question. Yeah. I like that one.
2: Yeah, it is a great question. And I don't know if I have an exact answer to it other than saying we were, we are operating on two parallel tracks. So we're trying to focus on the day-to-day, responding to those needs while we're planning for the future. And so... I, it's a matter of effective communications, you know, and prioritization and helping my team. Let's focus on the day. Don't forget, we had to pivot all of our events. Mm-hmm. We had to pivot a very iconic show in the industry, Holiday Showcase, 32 year old show, 2,200 in person attendees. We had to pivot that to virtual. Right. And we did that successfully with a 95% satisfaction rating for attendee and 80% exhibitor so we had a virtual exhibit hall there and so we had we had major initiatives underway we had to make sure we responded to the needs of our members but we also had a responsibility to respond to the needs of the community in a sense that we need to stabilize our business model and at some logical point with me communicating to the team and helping them to understand transparently the decisions that were being made you know just rolled out the business model helped them to understand how they saw themselves, how they could see themselves in the model. But at that time, it wasn't a surprise because they knew that this change was coming. They knew that uh, through communicating um, the model and the plans the board was setting that uh, we had to change. We didn't have a choice. And I think they were ready for it. And now they're excited for it because we're now talking about recovery this year. Right, Right, yeah. Last year, we were talking about repositioning. And they feel good that we have a roadmap. And now Mm -hmm. let's operationalize it. Let's build towards that future together. So there's a a ways to go. um, But I'm excited that they're excited. And um, now I'm having conversations with my team. How do you see yourself in this model? You know, what unique skills can you bring that we've not discussed before? Because we know we need to upskill and we know mm-hmm. we need, you know, we need to bring, make sure we have a very strong digital focus. And there might be opportunities for professional growth there that they have not yet to realize. But I have to say, during this time, they have stepped up in ways that I could not have imagined and they've tested themselves. They've showed, They've shown great resiliency. And so I use that as an opportunity to say, what else can you do? And when they say
1: and when they say, "Well, I can share my screen. You're in, right?" <laughs>
2: So when they say you're on mute,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right.
0: So, Michelle, I you used the word innovation a bunch of times, and I'm seeing on your LinkedIn profile you say bring leadership and building teams, growing memberships and engagement, incubating unique innovations, delivering revenue results, and advancing the community. So it sounds very much like how a entrepreneur or a CEO of a of a of an organization, uh, big or small. In the for-profit side would describe what they do as well, especially in the innovation part. However, here's here's the question I really want to challenge you with. And this is, I mentioned in, before uh, we st- hit record that I was going to challenge you with a question. This, this is the question I want to challenge you with. Associations are riddled with committees. And I've never seen any single person make a decision in the association space. Decisions are made by committee. Decisions are made by groups of people. Uh, which is very, very different from generally speaking from how decisions are made in corporate, and uh, not not to say corporate don't consultate each other. Consultate is that a word? Anyway, they, they don't. On this podcast, it is consult.
1: <laughs> it's cons- <laughs>
0: yeah, Michelle. We like to make up words here, uh, but they don't. It's not to say they don't consult each other. Consultate. That's horrible, but not to say they don't consult each other in, in business. But so my question to you is this: when when you have a board, how big is your board?
2: Thirteen people.
0: Okay, so when you have thirteen people helping to make decisions, and you have an executive team, I'm sure, and you, you decisions, generally speaking, are committee made decisions. How do you ever make a decision that? innovative or taking a chance or taking a risk? And if you're not taking risks, then how is anything ever better than average?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. We're very fortunate to have a very, um, I would say strategic board. And our board really focuses on strategic direction. Our board has uh, great confidence in staff leadership because we put processes and systems in place to uh, build that trust and that credibility. And so we have a framework at association forum called the three gate process, but if you have an idea, where regardless where it comes from, let's just say an idea was generated through a foundation. You first prepare a concept paper and that's shared with the board, right? So if you can't describe your idea, your innovation on one sheet, then there's something wrong with it, right? So the board has an opportunity to engage in that process and ask questions. And then based on that approval gate, then there's a business plan that's developed to further flesh out the idea, the financials the resources that are required. Once it passes that gate, then we can move to implementation because by that time there are multiple touch points, right? There's the Mm -hmm. staff touch point in understanding the opportunity. And maybe the idea was submitted or shared by the staff, but the board has an opportunity to uh, to weigh in and then we move to market. So agility is the key here and speed to market is also the key. We try not to, you know, spend too much time uh, in, in the the, uh, the thought process of is, is a good idea. not. it just went and missed that window of opportunity right, right. Um, before us. Right. And we assign the appropriate metrics and we align it with our board meetings to make sure these the key priorities, the innovations are always on the board screen. So they'll know the progress that we're making. And so, you know, is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. But it, does it allow us to be responsive to our members? Absolutely, it allows us to be responsive to our members. And lastly, I'll share, we have a process called um, you know, Pulse Surveys, Voice of the Member. And so we are now conducting quarterly Pulse Surveys so that we can always keep abreast of what our members are saying. Mm-hmm. So for example, in September, we were you know starting our membership renewal process. And in September, who is anyone's guess if someone would renew. But what right. we believe is that we have a very strong, engaged membership here in Chicago. We want to in the to believe that they would renew. But conducting that poll survey we learned that 89% of our members said they would renew. No, actually 90% said they would new, renew. But we also asked additional questions. What are your needs right now? Because we last year's, I mean, everything changed, but we didn't wanna make assumptions that we were building new products and services to support them without getting their voice. So, and with that, the board has confidence that we're making evidence-based decisions. So our second pulse survey of this year was uh, completed in January and it had more COVID related questions, opening your office, what tools and resources do you need? And again, as we start to build out our programs and services, we take that into consideration as a, a data point.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You're speaking my language when you start talking about voice of the member. I'm, I'm curious, are you taking that? Is that that's exactly what PropFuel is all about, is this voice of the member. Do you take those those surveys, those pulse surveys, uh, down to the individual, or are those more of a look at the membership as a whole?
2: Um, membership as a whole is a snapshot of where our membership is at Any given point in time, and so we have that, and we have other research that eventually will turn into more um, better intelligence. Not to inform us as an organization, but to help our members compare themselves against others. Because again, this is a blank sheet of paper, and so the more intelligence we can provide them, the stronger our value proposition will be um, as their membership organization.
1: Uh, So I want to take a a turn right here, real quick. So when we do, when you do innovation, you've known this all your whole career, but. I want people to learn from this. There's always pushback, pushback, Mm -hmm. whether from the board or from the staff. Sometimes it's pushback that people just don't want to change. They like doing it the same way. So what are some lessons? What are some keys do you think to um, getting people to embrace the change and move past what they think into what we got to go to?
2: Um, I don't know if there's this one key, but I will say obviously communication, communication, mm-hmm. communication, right? And helping them understand what's in it for me, what's in it right. for them um, right. in the process. And sometimes it's uh, it's easier to start small, right? Mm-hmm. And and show evidence that you can accomplish something to you know uh, change a process or bring on a new product and build that confidence before you start to scale up to, to something larger but also you know again continuing to engage uh, and be collaborative during that change process you're always going to have resistance right. but if you can get the majority on board and you have those advocates then just go for it
1: <laughs> right so, so one personal question. So, what did you learn about Michelle? Oh, I love last, this.
0: I slash, love where we're g- the, the personal questions. We don't do enough of that, Tom. We got. I know.
1: There. I know. What did you learn about you in the last twelve months facing this? Just everything that you talked about that was going on.
2: Ah, oh, that's a good question. I actually learned that I am much stronger than I thought I was. Right, mm-hmm. and much more resilient. Um, and I've learned that from a leadership perspective, it's okay not to have all the answers because I really didn't. Right. And it's okay to be vulnerable with that and engaging your team in that conversation, which is very empowering to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've learned to say, I don't know. Right. <laughs> but I've also learned to become a better listener too, because, you know, sometimes I would just hit the trail running fast. And then I realized, you know, this is an opportunity to slow down, to bring the team along, which, you know, I would do, but I I'm more uh, methodical in that process because I know that this is a point in time that they've never experienced and they're going to look back on this during their career and they might ask themselves well what did I do and I want for them to have a positive experience here during this time. And um, I would say my last comment on that would be just the importance of my team and the asset that I have here, mm-hmm. because there's no way I could have made this through, made it through COVID without them. And I, and our members are are just beneficiaries of that.
0: I, Tom, I want to keep this on the personal side for a minute. Michelle, tell me, do you ever get this sense of of, of like this imposter syndrome? You familiar with the term?
2: I'm afraid first. Yeah, um, like you know, what's that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a feeling, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Do you
0: ever kind of take a step back and say, Holy moly, what am I doing here?
2: Yeah. Uh, I do. I do. I'm like, well, how did we get here at times? I feel like, you Not know, me,
0: you, you and me, me personally, yeah, you personally,
2: um, I, I, you can answer that question a couple of ways. COVID, I think, we all ask that question: <laughs> What are we doing right. here, yeah. right? Doing COVID because I mean, you know, you go to graduate school, you all of it, the, and then you, the, all that whole playbook is out the window, right? right. So, what am I doing here? Sometimes you don't have the answer, you have to make it up. You have to work, you know, you have to figure if it doesn't work, learn from it, but keep moving. So from that perspective, it's kind of like this past year, been an out-of-body experience. But for me, I really enjoy change. I embrace change. And I, again, have used this as as an opportunity to kind of lead by example to just encourage others, just test to, you know, experiment, use this as an opportunity to kind of reposition your business. So I don't know if I answered your question, Dave.
0: I'm going to drill down further. How big is your staff? Nine. Nine people. Okay. You ever, uh, have you ever been like laying in bed at night or driving home or uh, just quiet and by yourself? And you're like, how the hell am I going to rally the troops? It's my job, right? I'm, I'm the CEO of yeah. Chicagoland. How am I going to? I'm sorry, Association Forum. How am I going to keep people's chins up when we're struggling to stay alive?
2: Oh, absolutely! I have that conversation all the time. <laughs> <Like so. laughs> what they say is lonely at the top. That is true. While we are smaller. Organization and size, our impact is pretty large, mm-hmm. and so and so that, that means the volume of work that we are responsible for, our portfolio is pretty significant. And so I think about that. I think how am I going to rally the troops? How you know? I think about their mental health. I think about uh, we are a work family and we are now virtual, we're not physically together. And so how do I keep up that momentum? Some days are better than other days and some days I'm more successful with that than not. Um, But one of the, what I really focus on is uh, being very candid and direct with them in the sense of this is not the time for you to have gray coming from me. I want you to understand the decisions that we're making and why we're making those decisions. But most importantly, my commitment is to you to keep you whole because, you know, we've made some tough decisions through COVID and I know that this is the team that I need to get through this. So Mm -hmm. yeah, going back to not having all the answers, but you know, working together, we'll find the solution.
0: So it's humility is what I'm hearing is, is transparency and humility. Who do you turn to when, and not necessarily names as much as like what groups, who, what roles, you know, who, what people in your life do you turn personally, professionally, who do you turn to when you want to work through something?
2: You know, I have my kitchen cabinet. I have those who <laughs> I, I say, you can't make this one up. <laughs> you know, um, I have them and I can be vulnerable and I can say, I don't know. I need you to help me to understand. I help me figure this out. So I have that small group, but I would say I'm a woman of faith. And so I turn to my faith a lot because, yep. I, you know, I believe you walk by faith and not by sight. And, and, I, and what I've also said throughout this process process is, um, and this too shall pass, right? You know, we've had some amazing moments during this time. When we think about it, is I really want to focus on the positive, but, you know, I'm human, right? So I have to think about, you know, it gets tough out there. And if I don't give voice to that, then I'm not being true to myself. And I have to be true to myself. In order to be true to myself, I'm being true to those that I'm, I'm I'm leading through this process.
1: Well, I think when we get when we get in these moments, because I've had the, the same experiences as you have, and you know me, Michelle, I always try and keep the positive path. And the, and a lot of people in that moment of of difficulty, they want to find blame.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm
1: like, in the in the moment, it's not time to find blame. We got to find a solution. And yeah. then afterward, we can look back at the process and say, yeah. what caused it? How can we fix it? And let's be yeah. better from it. And I think yeah. uh, this past year, I always kid with my board, it was literally. The third week of January, our board was in Key West. Everything was record level economy, our, our members, businesses, the association was thriving. And then we, and we left there on January 22nd fired up for the next year. And about three weeks later, the bottom fell out COVID cases. And then, it, you know, we were all saying, Hey, this is going to be over by May in the spring. And then boom, it didn't. So the last year had just been, like you said, a monotony mm-hmm. of one. La- and I always look at life kind of like the amazing race, I always look at everything like this is I will not be defeated. This is simply an obstacle, that I'm going to figure out a way to move around. And I think mm-hmm. that's important and still that on our team members as well. So they can learn those types of things. So the one yeah. thing we can't have as leaders is people who want to give up too easily. So we right. have, and, and like you said, and Dave was talking about, it, you got to have those people that you draw off of because it's lonely at the top. Because mm-hmm. if you get to the point to where you feel like your heart's turning to really wanting to just kind of let it go, then your team can really see that. Yes. So it's great to see that some, you know, a leader like yourself has a team, and and we all do to try and pull that energy and that that positive respect it picks us back up the next day, and we run like the wind.
2: That's so true, Tom, and I and I believe that this um, experience this time has brought me closer to the team. Right, mm-hmm. uh, it has increased the empathy. It's increased my uh, comfort with empowering them to make the decisions because, you know, we'll learn from it. We'll learn together. Right. So I think it's just increased that. And so it's helped me to become more effective. And absolutely, I'm going to take all of this goodness into, you know, the next year. And it's about continuous improvement. But you're absolutely right. It's uh, We got we to gotta look at it the glass half full.
0: Well, right. the stress and strain either break something or they make it stronger. But mm-hmm. nothing stays the same under stress or strain. Right. And- and that's what I'm hearing from you. Um, I think with humans, oftentimes we make things stronger, especially good leaders. Hey, Tom, I think we ought to be respectful to Michelle with the time. And well, I have one about, more
1: question. Got and, and then we got to do our
0: now. every episode, Michelle. We're, I'm going to warn you here. So start thinking about know. this. Every episode, we each have a little takeaway. And, um, yeah. So go ahead, Tom. What do you got? So,
1: so my question with all that we've all talked about for the last half hour and all the stresses, the strains and stuff but, and, and the people you call. But there is something that I call it. Everybody's party. I love to dance with my wife to great music, but mm-hmm. somebody might like to be on the beach reading a novel or somebody mm-hmm. might like to hike in camp. That's their party. And mm-hmm. so I want to ask you, how do you refresh your soul? I know you're faith based, but how, what's that activity that refreshes your soul that you do often to just bring yourself back to square one?
2: Oh, that's a great, a great question. I'm glad you um, asked it. You know, prior to COVID, I was a decent cook. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm in Chicago, the best restaurant, right? So I've become a COVID cook. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, have, I have, and I enjoy you know, experiment, experimenting and just testing and, you know, probably more times than not, it doesn't taste good. So that's, that's okay. But I've learned the appreciation, you know, and I've had no choice. Right. Um, and so I would say that's kind of like my party. It kind of refreshes my soul. But what I also do is I share my food with others. So right. thank Awesome helps me. I'll tell you this, um, early in COVID, I'm a perpetual student. I love to learn. Mm-hmm. And so early in COVID, I said, I'm going to learn something new. So I purchased a guitar and started taking guitar lessons online, wow. but that lasted a few weeks. only. <laughs> 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 it was very, very difficult. So yes. I'm like, I stick with things I have a little more control over. <laughs>
1: well, I've, got a, I've been playing drums since I was five. I was playing in nightclubs when I was 14 with my dad's wow. band. And so a couple of years ago, I guess it's like three years ago, my son-in-law, he he he's a country. He has a country band up here in Nashville, and we were in a, a novelty store, and he found this bass for 99 mm. bucks that was like a $400 bass. He says, Mr. Wow. Tom, you're going to want to buy this, because I'd talked a little bit about wanting to practice bass mm-hmm. to connect with my son, because he plays drums, and I bought it. And it's been under my bed ever since. Oh, you're to pull that out. I know I got I got here's the thing. Every band's always looking for a bass player, every all one right. of them. So I, that's why I try to pick it up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge myself through this conversation to try and do all
2: this. right. You figure the bass out, I'll figure out the guitar. Was Here we Michelle.
0: That, that was something I was gonna focus on. So I, I told you there was a transition period between my first company, Peach and the Media, and this current one, Prop Fuel, and in between. I said, you know what? I'm going to do two things. I'm going to clean my basement and I'm going to learn the guitar. And what I ended up doing is watching The Godfather and starting another business. So I still don't know how to play the guitar. And my basement is, is still just a pile of boxes everywhere. So there's that. Hey, Tom, what, what's your takeaway from, uh, from this conversation with Michelle? What is, what, what's the number one thing that stands out to you that, that you're taking away from it?
1: She is so articulate, and I am so glad we invited her to come on. This is going to be the first, I think, first episode that we don't have to edit one second, which I am excited about. But, but mm-hmm. for me, it's just, it's just, um, for me, it was affirmation on as a leader: stay positive, rally your team to take care of them, and don't look at obstacles as the end of the day. They're just things to get and move through. And I, I love listening to um, Michelle how she's done that in her life.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm in the same boat. I. I uh, have great admiration for you, Michelle. Having just met you for the first time, um, and what I heard uh, throughout our conversation about all kinds of things, association related, and innovation, and business, and so on. But the, my biggest takeaway is: is I'm watching you, and I'm listening to you, and I just I wrote down some things that, to, in my eyes make you a great leader. You know, you're, you you got a strong vision, you're, you're process driven, you're a good listener. You listen to your team, you listen to your board, you listen to your members. And, but here's the one actually that Tom already alluded to your articulate. I, I, I said, you're a good communicator. You definitely got the gift of gab. Now, have you always had, <laughs> is that something you've always had? Have you always been a good communicator even as, as a kid, or is that something you learned over time?
2: I would say I learned over time. I was actually an introvert early on. And so it's something that you have to learn, particularly being in this business. So I have my moments, but
0: yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm the same way, Michelle. Like, I, I was not a good I wasn't good with words mm-hmm. when I was even in college and in graduate school. Um, and it was over time, especially in in the past like twenty years, and I'm fifty now. It's the past twenty years that I started to feel comfortable enough in my own skin yeah. to have a uh, extemporaneous conversation like this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, Michelle, your turn. What's your key takeaway from the conversation today?
2: Uh, my key takeaway would be we're all in this together, right? Yeah. We and are. Uh, we have to be gentle on ourselves, but we'll get through it. This too shall pass. Awesome. You
0: know what I love about that? We are all in this together. And I think oftentimes there's an us-them mentality between vendors like myself and association executives like you guys. And uh, it drives me bonkers. Like to me, we are all in this together. We really are. And and we're all trying to do good things for the industry. We are. We're all in this because we love the industry. That's why we're here. I think oftentimes the idea of chasing money is confused with creating value. And we just had this conversation, Tom, with yep. our last guest about creating value, but um,
1: yeah, we're all in this together, man. Totally with you, Michelle. Mm-hmm. All right. With Michelle, that, Tom. Thank you very much for saying you. yes to this. And it, that, it was you. great. I'm so glad to see you again. I hope to sometime be in Chicago or see, I'm hoping to see you in Dallas.
2: Yes, for sure. For Will sure you yeah?
0: Did you yeah. sign up yet?
2: I will not. Have, well, I um, will sign up. Let's
0: just say that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I will be
2: there.
0: <laughs> by the time this comes out, we'll all be in uh, Dallas for ASAE 2021. Yes. All right. Thanks so right. much. Well,
2: well, thank you very you much. Thanks, Bye-bye. everybody, for Take listening. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: bye We hope you gained some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason... You can contact us at tom at tommorson.biz or dave at propfuel.com.
0: Give us a review if you haven't already.
2: And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.